Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You may also like. A show about the things you may also like. Things like Cryptocurrency 101. I admit, I have absolutely no interest in getting involved with cryptocurrency. The whole thing feels like a scam jam. And most of my Twitter inbox is full of people who want me to get involved. And of course, everyone's doing it. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers even take part of their salary in forms of cryptocurrency. But with the podcasting 2.0 initiative and value for value, Crypto's a great way to send someone a little thank you through the app. So go ahead. If you're listening on a Podcast 2.0 app, you can send this podcast some sats right now. Go ahead. I'll even wait for you. Anyhow, Scott McGregor appears to know what he's talking about when it comes to cryptocurrency. And I thought I would get a Crypto 101 course from him today. Crypto is a bunch of technical networks with a token on top that has value. Uh, Some of these networks are valued more than others. And a lot of that has to do with supply and demand. And so, you know, Bitcoin, for example, there's only 21 million tokens. You look at uh, like a shit coin, like Dogecoin, and there's 21 billion tokens. And so that's one of the reasons that Bitcoin would have an elevated price and Dogecoin would have uh, a bit of a lower price. So cryptocurrency is just a network with a token on top. Who created cryptocurrency and why was it created? Well, Bitcoin, the most uh, successful one, was really... uh, kind of out of the 2008 financial crisis. So what we saw coming out of 2008 was a real kind of uh, lack of uh, trust in the banking system. You know, we, we saw all of these bankers, as you know, if you live through it, uh, make ridiculous bets, packaging, you know, garbage over garbage, and then selling that to someone else. And that ultimately ended up uh, collapsing the system. And uh, who had to come out and, and bail the banks out was actually taxpayers. You know, tax, they just invented money, printed money. And so it put a lot of uh, distrust in terms of the financial system and the monetary system. And so out of that, uh, one of the uh, survivors was Bitcoin. And Bitcoin isn't, the, you know, the, the first attempt at digital money over the internet, but it is the first fully decentralized monetary network uh, that isn't controlled by a single point of failure like a central bank. So I think the key word there is decentralization. So when I think about what decentralization is, actually it gets me thinking about what we're talking on right now, which is a podcast, which is fairly decentralized in terms of its distribution. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of seeing the decentralization of media right now with the internet. You know, all of these different uh, media outlets are are kind of losing their luster. And and what are they losing their luster to? Individual decentralized uh, journalists, uh, reporters, and uh, broadcasters. So you were talking about Bitcoin being a form of cryptocurrency. So what are Satoshi's? 
Satoshis are pieces of a Bitcoin. So uh, every Bitcoin can be fractionalized. There's 100 million Satoshis per Bitcoin. And so you can actually break up those Satoshis just like we break up a dollar into pennies or, or lower denomination, you know, quarters, nickels, stuff like that. And so you can do that with Bitcoin. And that's one of the benefits of Bitcoin over something like gold, where it's a little harder to cut up little pieces of gold. Uh, you know, they do it, and it's fine. We can do it in jewelry and coins and, and stuff like that. But uh, with Bitcoin, uh, it's digital. And so it's easier to do. It's easier to send. And you can send uh, Satoshis or pieces of a Bitcoin uh, to your friends, family, or to, you know, a business or, or something you're trying to transact with. So you just put your podcast, Hot Wallet, up onto the Lightning Network, where I believe some Satoshis can be exchanged, like the podcast that we're on right now, same deal. I know you just got here like a week and a half ago, but what do you see so far in there? And hopefully people will send us some sats and give us a boost. Yeah, so I put my uh, podcast up on Fountain.fm, the app, and this is a great app for, well, it's for all podcasts, but obviously it's heavy into Bitcoin podcasts and podcasts that, uh, you know, are in kind of the Web3 space. And so what I love about that is not only are you able to target an audience that is looking for content that they care about, but you're able to support podcasts that you like by sending them pieces of a Bitcoin through the Bitcoin Lightning Network. And and you can do that uh, various ways. You can actually just boost a podcast. You know, you did that for me. You gave me about 5,000 Satoshis. Uh, and, you know, it's not a lot in terms of dollar value, but you can do that over and over. And if enough people do it, you know, it can turn into real money and, and real value for value. You know, you are uh, consuming value by getting someone's content that they're spending their time and life energy to create, and then you're giving them value uh, by supporting them with Satoshis. And you can also earn Satoshis by listening to promoted podcasts as well, uh, which I've had a lot of luck with in the last uh, month or so. So the Fountain app for you has been kind of like Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. You know, I was looking at my stats today. My listens are up 700% this month. And, you know, why is that? Because, you know, I'm able to put my content in front of people that are looking for that kind of content. You know, whether it's an interview with someone who is in the Bitcoin space or it's just a news commentary piece, you know, a thought piece that I have that I want to share with someone. So it, it's been extremely valuable for me to kind of circumvent you know, some of these other gatekeepers like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, it's really hard to climb the charts in terms of Apple Podcasts and Spotify because you're competing with some of the best of them. You know, I'm competing with Joe Rogan for people's time. And so if I want to get my podcast in front of people who are looking for the kind of content that I create, uh, you know, Fountain has been, uh, it's been a, a fountain of uh, energy for me because uh, not only am I uh, getting people sending me Satoshis, but Having people consume the content, give me good feedback, kind of, uh, you know, it fuels the fire for me to want to do more. 2022 was wild. There was some ups, but there was a lot of downs and it was quite erratic if you were, you know, dealing in Bitcoin. What happened? Yeah, so it wasn't just Bitcoin. You know, I, I want to make that clear. It was all risk assets. And one of the reasons is because of interest rates. Uh, the Federal Reserve uh, jacked up interest rates at the fastest rate of change in human history. You know, if you think about how low interest rates were, 
Uh, you know, we're now up around the 4.75. And I'm talking about the U.S. Federal Reserve. Uh, you know, we're about 4.75%, potentially next week going to 5%. And we were at like zero. And, and so that's a that's a huge increase. It's not like back in the 70s and 80s where it was like 10% and then goes to 20. Like that's only a double where now, you know, we went from zero to almost 5%. And so that's like more, you know, that's more than a double, you know, it's like over a thousand percent in terms of rate of change of increase. And so that puts pressure on risk assets. And that also increases uh, the value of the U.S. dollar. And a lot of uh, high-risk speculative assets are priced against the U.S. dollar. And so if you see the U.S. dollar going up, then you'll see things like gold going down and then vice versa. If you see uh, gold going up, typically you'll see uh, the dollar going down. And so it was brutal in terms of uh, 2022. Uh, you know, that was a, by far the hardest trading year of my life. And I ended the year uh, down on the year, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, luckily I had two previous years of triple digit returns. I could, I could absorb some of the losses. But yeah, so we had a, a real tough year in 2022 with the fall of high risk assets, whether it's a stock like PayPal. Amazon, Microsoft, you know, all of these uh, risk assets ended up getting uh, pretty crushed in 2022. But now what we're seeing in 2023 is the opposite, where we think inflation has peaked. We think interest rates are close to peaking, if not peaked. And then, you know, we see the inverse where we see Bitcoin as one of the best performing assets of 2023 up uh, over 100% from the January 1st low. This is going to date me. But if I were to open up the business section of a newspaper, would I be able to see Bitcoin traded alongside the U.S. dollar, the euro, a Canadian dollar, and the North Korean won? Does it fall in line with currency or is it sort of treated like an ugly stepchild? No, I wouldn't say it's treated like an ugly stepchild because we have major institutions like Fidelity, uh, like BlackRock, you know, all of these people that are trying to, you know, open up the doors to this uh, asset class, which is now well over a trillion dollars. And so I wouldn't say it's an ugly stepchild, but I, I would say people don't really know where to put it yet. You know, is it is it a high risk tech stock or is it a form of money? And so there's a real kind of battle right now happening in the market to be like, okay, we get this, but is it going up now because the NASDAQ's going up or is it going up now because the dollar is falling? So it kind of falls in this gray area of organization where people are trying to figure it out. And uh, and I think that that's good because the more people that are interested in it, the more people that try and figure it out, more times than not, the more times that it clicks for them and they go, oh, okay, I get it. So it's not like a tech stock. But it's also not like a money, so it's kind of in the middle, and then you know they kind of grow their understanding from there. So for me, the gateway hook into Bitcoin was value for value in podcasting. I said, there's no reason for me to ever get involved with this, and I said, oh look, here's some value for value. I do want to be a part of that ecosystem where I'm, you know, offering up um, some value for people who are providing me with some valuable information. So I did want to play in that sandbox. So here I am, I'm making my first deposit and $100 blue wallet, whatever that gets me, that's fine. But for many people, what is their entry point into this world? I think a lot of it comes just from speculation. 
you know, that's how I found out about it. I had a br- my brother-in-law was the one that told me about Bitcoin, and he told me about it a little more in detail around March of 2020 when we saw that big uh, COVID crash. And he just said, "Oh yeah, you should buy you should buy Bitcoin." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know. I've heard very weird things. You know, I don't know about it. Sounds like a scam. You know, that's the first thing everyone says. Ah, I don't know. Sounds too good to be true." And so that really is where a lot of people get involved. They get involved because someone they know is into it and they say, hey, look, you know, you have a chance to make money in this. And then once people kind of understand, oh, wait, it's a way to send value over the Internet without a third party. You know, it's a trustless network where I don't need to worry if the bank is going to allow this transaction to go through. You know, it's just me sending value to someone else over the Internet and me receiving value from someone else over the Internet. And there's no one else involved. It's just software and it works. Then that's when they kind of go down the rabbit hole a little more and go, "Okay, wait, there's a little more to this. Somebody mentioned to me that they don't believe that the currency is real unless I can buy a pack of gum with it. So can I buy a pack of gum with any of my Bitcoin? In some places you can. In El Salvador, for example, it's accepted everywhere as legal tender. And you can just use an app on your phone. You know, you have your, your wallet app on your phone and you can just go bleep and it sends it uh, directly. Now, a lot of uh, people are using the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Jack Maulers who is uh, part of a, an organization called Strike. And they want to use the Bitcoin Lightning Network as essentially a conduit for just people to use Bitcoin. It doesn't mean that the retailer has to accept Bitcoin. They can if they want. But you're just using the monetary network from my wallet to your wallet and nothing really in between. As opposed to now, you know, it's it's kind of complicated. Like if I want to use my credit card, for example, I got to swipe my credit card. Uh, my bank first has to check to see if I have the money. Then it has to go and let your bank know, okay, yes, he has the money. But then your bank isn't actually going to see that money for another 30 days. So, oh, but don't worry, we'll get it to you. And there's a lot of fees in between uh, that can incur where I get charged for using my credit card. I then also have to pay interest. You get charged for, for accepting a credit card. And this is all like a monetary system. You know, it's 2023 and we're using technology that was invented like, I don't know, 80 years ago. And it's pretty much the same. You know, maybe the pipes are a little different, but it's it's pretty much the same. And so what Jack Maulers wants to do with Strike and the Bitcoin Lightning Network is essentially just use the network to say, you know, and, and hop over from my wallet to your wallet. It uses that Bitcoin Lightning Network as a way to confirm that the value is real, the dollars are real, and then you get it. And then you can decide whether you want to accept that money in Canadian dollars, U.S. dollars, Chinese yuan, whatever currency you want to get it on. How does Jack make money then? Because there always seems to be someone in the middle or something. And I look at my business and whether it's PayPal, credit card, Stripe, it doesn't matter. I add it all up and it's $10,000 worth of people who've grifted from me at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, just with fees, you know, but lower fees. Uh, and, and that's kind of the catch right now is, yes, there's still going to be fees, but they're going to be lower, right? Like if I accept a payment from the U.S., a lot of times PayPal will just take a cut right off the bat. You're like, hey, you got money. Great job. We're going to take 1% of that. 
And then when you want to send it to someone else or, or, or move it to your bank account, great, PayPal's there again. And so, yes, you know, I do believe that there will be fees, but ideally the fee is going to be lower uh, using Bitcoin and the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Like if you think about how expensive it is to move value, let's talk gold, for example. You want to move $100 million worth of gold from one country to another, it's probably going to cost you a quarter million or maybe even a million in terms of the dollars it takes to, you know, get the gold, secure the gold, transport the gold, plot the gold, protect the gold, all that stuff. Where if you want to move $100 million worth of value over the Bitcoin Lightning Network, guess what? It costs you five bucks. That seems like a pretty good trade-off. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. You may also like Supports Podcasting 2.0, so feel free to send us a boost if you are listening on a newer podcast app. If you don't have one, you can see a full list of them at newpodcastapps.com. I have more stories about fraud and shady people than I do about real-life experience in sending Satoshis and Bitcoin. So my Twitter is littered with all sorts of people who are trying to get me involved, I get spam calls telling me that I've got a wallet of $850, which doesn't <laughs> exist somewhere, and I'm to log on right away and reinvest it. And I said to reinvest it immediately into the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl, and they didn't have any idea what that was. So obviously that call does not come from North America. And then, of course, there's uh, Sam Bankman-Fried in what happened there. There were Super Bowl ads in 2021, and they're not now. I have a longer list of bad news than good news here. When does that change? Well, I think it changes with understanding of the technology. You know, it's so new right now. It's just like when the internet came out, it was unsafe for you to use your credit card on the internet. And now people don't even think about it. You know, oh, I got it saved in my Google account. I just got to put in my code and then boom, the transaction happens. So with time and understanding comes, you know, learning and, and more, uh, pe more people being comfortable with the technology. But it's so new right now. And because we do have, you know, some pretty spectacular moves in some of these crypto cryptos, uh, one of which was like Solana, I think was up 7,000% in 
uh, from 2020 to 2021, something like that. You know, you, you get these big gains. And so when people see dollars, that's very attractive, especially, you know, because where's all the wealth? The wealth is in the 1%. And so all these people see this, oh, get, get rich quick with crypto. And so they, you know, can get suckered into to pretty much anything. And, you know, you just got to protect yourself. And no, okay, is this too good to be true? And if it is, that's probably a scam. Why would someone like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and a list of others want part of their salary paid in crypto? I think to store their value. You know, if the currency is being debased over time and the buying power of the U.S. dollar is going down, has been going down over time. You know, if you think about what your dollar could buy you even five years ago, thanks to inflation, it sure is different than what it is now. And the, uh, you know, the, the fact that Bitcoin typically goes up over time, you know, it, anyone who has held Bitcoin for four years has never lost money. And uh, and, and the way that the, the Bitcoin is distributed in terms of how it uh, cuts its distribution by half every couple of years, uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, programmed. It's programmed money. And you can kind of see what the outcome is going to be. You know, if the growth of the network continues, if people keep transacting on the network, then, okay, then I see that price going up and I can see where that uh, investment is going to go. Where if people are just using normal dollars, well, guess what? That's controlled by the government and they can decide to print money and bail out banks whenever they feel like it. So that's, I think, why people and, and you know, the uh, governor of Florida, I think, takes his uh, salary partially in crypto as well. And I think that's a great way to invest passively. If you have that, you know, if you have enough money where a portion of it can just be left to its own devices, and, and maybe that's money you don't need right now, then I think that that's a, a good way to passively invest. It's not for everyone. Um, but that's uh, that's probably the reason why, you know, they see the technology, they see the opportunity. And, you know, if you look at the market cap of gold, uh, you know, it's hundreds of trillions of dollars. And the market cap of crypto and Bitcoin is $1 trillion. Mm, You know, I think the opportunity is there for some potential exponential gains. The U.S. banking system is archaic. <laughs> it has not been good for a long, long time. I can totally understand wanting that. But then in Canada, we had a politician who wandered into that fray and suggested cryptocurrency. And there was a lot of pushback. And I thought, you know what? Bank of Canada is doing okay. So how do you sort of look at it between Canada and the United States in terms of reception? I think it's really mixed. Uh, I put out a podcast a few months ago called The Politicization of Bitcoin Will Not Age Well. And that's really kind of about politicians getting involved at all and kind of, uh, you know, saying where people should or should not invest their their dollars. And so, I you know, I don't believe that any politician should be saying anything about crypto, Bitcoin or any sort of investment. You know, I, I just bring up Ron DeSantis because he's one of the cheerleaders trying to get uh, those companies to, you know, to go into Florida. And, he, and I believe that they actually just passed a bill saying that they will not allow any government-run central bank digital currency within their jurisdiction. So, you know, I think it's a dangerous concept for any politician to say, especially in Canada, hey, yeah, forget about these dollars that we keep giving you. You should, you know, you should buy Bitcoin instead. I think Bitcoin should be part of an investment portfolio uh, because of those potential gains. Uh, but I, you know, I'm still going to transact in Canadian dollars. I'm still going to, you know, when I buy my next car, guess what? <laughs> Unless they accept Bitcoin, I'm probably going to pay in dollars. So the beauty of Bitcoin is the fact that it is a, a worldwide asset that you can exchange for any 
currency. And I, and I do believe that stable coins and uh, just being able to hold your value in something that isn't debased, uh, I think is very important. If someone right now just wanted to get started, put down $1,000, $100, $500, what do they do? Where do they go that you would recommend that is reputable and a good place to start? I think the easiest place is Coinbase. It's a pretty regulatory, safe crypto exchange right now. They are going through hell with the U.S. Security and Exchange Commission uh, because of uh, staking and their, you know, what what the SEC is calling the the sale of unregistered securities. But they are slapping back at that. You know, they are re, they are suing, so they're being sued by the SEC. But then they're countersuing the SEC, saying. Yeah, that's fine, but we've been doing this for 10 years and you haven't given us regulatory clarity. So we can't abide by these rules that don't exist that we're asking you for. And so Coinbase, I think, is a pretty safe exchange. They also have a wallet. And so you don't have to trust any exchange. That would be my real advice to anyone is use an exchange to transact but then hold your keys yourself, whether that's for, uh, you know, in a hardware wallet like a Ledger or a Trezor wallet that you can have. You know, it's like a USB stick in. You can manage it on your phone. You can buy and sell and do all that through Bluetooth and it's safe. Uh, or a software wallet. Coinbase has their own. You know, I, I have a, a bunch of money in uh, a Coinbase wallet right now. It's mostly just Bitcoin, and uh, and it just kind of sits there. And then when I'm ready to transact with it, then I can send it to the exchange and do whatever business I need to do. And then that way, I'm also legally bound by all of the tax things. You know, if I incur any capital gains or whatever, you know, Coinbase tracks that. Uh, Binance is is usually pretty good in Canada as well, though you know there's a, a bit of a gray area with Binance. Uh, I recently took most of my coins uh, off of Binance and, and just put everything into a wallet because I was kind of uh, afraid of all exchanges. Uh, but uh, yeah, Coinbase is probably the place where most people should start. It's pretty user user friendly in terms of the app. I can buy here. I can fund it with my bank account or a credit card or, you know, something like that. And then you can, you know, chart it a little bit. You can, uh, uh, you know, just shop the different tokens, whether you want Bitcoin, Ethereum or something else. And so, yeah, I think that's the easiest place to start. Probably not where you want to live, but a good place for anyone who's new to the space. And of course, the next step after you make that decision is to listen to Hot Wallet with you. And so what do people get when they listen to your show? Yeah. So, you know, I do my best to interview people who are interested in active investing. It's not just about crypto. Uh, You know, although I do focus a lot on Bitcoin, in my opinion, because it's the most interesting sector of, of the market right now. Like there's so much innovation happening. There's a lot of exciting stuff. And so I focus mainly on uh, Web3 active investing, but I also interview authors who have made millions in the stock market. And so, you know, I, I interview active investors, authors, and then I also will, will put out these kind of commentary thought pieces of things that are just kind of on my mind at the time. You know, I did one last week where I talked about Gary Gensler and I talked about how everyone kind of looked at Gary Gensler as someone who would be good for Bitcoin, crypto and the Web3 space because he actually taught a course about Bitcoin and blockchain at MIT. And he's on video saying Ethereum is sufficiently decentralized, and so it's no longer considered a security. 
Well, now he actually won't say that in public because there are court cases that the SEC has against people like Coinbase. And so, you know, it's a it's a big kerfuffle right now because it looks like Gary Gensler is trying to uh, protect uh, some of the legacy institutions like all of the big banks that we we're just talking about. You know, he's really trying to protect them as opposed to allow innovation to thrive in the United States. So that's one that I just put out. And then sometimes I'll do one like uh, recently I talked about different ways for you to actively invest in Bitcoin, Web3 and crypto via the stock market through some different ETFs. Uh, There's a ton of different ways to get uh, Bitcoin and crypto exposure without actually having to own Bitcoin or crypto. And so uh, that's one of my biggest podcasts uh, that I've ever done. And, you know, seems like the people like that one. Scott, thanks so much for the Cryptocurrency 101 lesson. I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you for all you do for me and my fellow podcasters. You know, you are uh, a fantastic resource and someone who I lean on heavily to uh, help me find success in the podcasting space. And I really appreciate that. My thanks to Scott for joining me on the show. Scott's based out of Calgary and has a podcast called Hot Wallet, which you can follow and listen to if you want to get rich in this area of your life. This episode was produced by Evan Straminski and edited by Aiden Glassy and built for your ears by everyone at the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.